As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello everyone, welcome to the 47th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey, I'm the, the Athletic's Norwich City correspondent, you thought I'd be able to say that by now. On the way, Cheerio Tim, Next Gen X Factor and The Big Kickoff 2. Uh, we will dissect all this and much more with our guests, the Norwich number wang chief at NCFC Numbers, otherwise known as our own Steve Sanders. Hi Michael. And former Norwich and England striker turned Quest's EFL pundit hero, Dean Ashton. Hero, thank you, Michael. How's things? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, obviously pleased to have such a quick turnaround with football, but um, yeah, still having been to a lot of the games, still very much missing that fan atmosphere. It just is not something I can get used to in the slightest. No, agreed. And in fact, it was really depressing having gone from having a thousand fans at one game back to nothing again. That was almost worse because yeah. it was like a reminder. But there we go. But you, you're going to be a busy man over the coming weeks because there is a lot of championship and, and the NFL football in general coming up. I tell you what, let's uh, crack on uh, immediately, shall we, with our headline act. final throws of the summer transfer window of course um i mean this is officially the last time we will have this conversation with an open transfer window which i'm ecstatic about thank goodness uh, you can read my various different breakdowns of where norwich are and have been uh, loads of pieces on the various situations of of max uh, Max Aaron's Todd Cantwell, Emmy Buendia. Uh, and there is an excellent piece from my colleagues uh, over at Everton on uh, Ben Godfrey's move, of course, up to Goodison Park. That's all there on The Athletic. And new subscriptions can, uh, new subscribers can still sign up to our best ever deal. It's just one pound per month for a limited time. Just visit theathletic.com forward slash UK subscribe. Um, all of those pieces from me, I think, are just about still in date, <laughs> which is remarkable given there's obviously a fair amount that's gone on. But the, uh, the one news didn't involve any crown jewel um, from last week, which was Tim Closer joining uh, Basel on loan for the rest of the season. I did just want to bring up uh, Dan Brigham's tweet, uh, if I can. I've got it here. Uh, he says, from saying Norwich smells of football to oh no, how awful, to his genuine love of bats, to letting the ball run through his legs, to Anel versus Nottingham Forest, to his infectious, ridiculous laugh, to his love for adventurous holidays, Tim Closer was very much one of a kind at Norwich and then it's sort of the crying emoji but not in a nice way it's like a genuine sad cry which kind of poses the question I guess Steve um Tim closer where are we with with what he did for Norwich City um well I mean first of all yeah I saw Dan's tweet actually and it was, it was really nice he's um always as effusive in his praise for, for others so you can tell it's genuine um, and I think it speaks to the fact that that um that Tim closest you know I never came across myself but seemed like a genuinely nice um, and upbeat guy uh, and that will be part of his legacy um, on the pitch uh, I think I think by and large we will be talking about him as a, as a successful signing he obviously came in for a lot of money um, may have even helped to survive in that year we were relegated under Alec Neil uh, in 2016 
had he not got injured with five, six games of the season left. Um, and I was thinking back to the season when we went up, actually, when uh, he played the first half of the year and then got injured. Um, and I think I, I remember him being one of our outstanding players in the first half of that season. I think people forget just how good he was because Godfrey kind of came in and raised the bar once again. Um, but he scored some crucial goals. Um, he forged a really good partnership with Zimmerman during that time. And really, I think, had it not been for the injuries in the last two or three years, I still think we would be talking about a centre-half that's easily good enough to play for us right now. Uh, it's just not gone his way, and he's been very unfortunate on that score. Um, a, one key point was he scored twice, didn't he, at Nottingham Forest, I think, when Norwich were already 1-0 down, I think. If, if yeah, and then followed up with a goal at Derby in the next game. So I think he scored three in the space of three or four days. And, and I think an own goal at, at home to Stoke just before that, but we don't yeah. talk about that one. I, I'm... It's it's interesting, I, su- I suppose, how, how you sort of judge signings, isn't it, Dean, with, with how it goes. I, I don't know, there's something about me. I, I, what I will say is, I mean, Tim Close is a great guy from every time I've spoken to him. I love chatting to him. I think he's, he's, he's brilliant. I don't think he's been every one of his teammates' cup of tea, <laughs> always. It's just, well, but I guess that's sort of what, what comes with being a professional footballer in teams, I guess, Dean. And it just, just feels like there were... There was, there was more that we didn't quite tap into for someone who cost £7 million and was signed from Wolfsburg, basically. Yeah, I think he's got a fantastic character and, and I think clearly that, that he would clash now and again with, with, with certain people. But I think if you're a supporter, what more could you want from somebody who really adopts your city, who dives in headfirst into what the culture's like within your city? You can tell he loves living here I constantly saw bits and bobs where he was doing things within the, within the community that goes a long way I think in terms of how supporters should look at him um, once he's left because of what he's done for that now of course you don't buy him for that you buy him to be on the pitch produce I think has he really did he really hit the heights that I thought he could do and I think he was capable of no because you know as Steve just said injuries have hampered him we've never really seen the best of him even last season he didn't really look right to me I think he was playing because you know because he was he was needed um and so I, I I just wish him all the best in the move hopefully it's something he needs to sort of um get back to where I think he, he could be but there's no doubt that the supporters should be um, should be very proud of how he's conducted himself at Norwich and, and sort of really adopted them as his second second home. Uh, uh, you're in danger of saying a centre back injury crisis there, Dean. But we might come on to that in a, in a moment. Uh, <laughs> what I did want to do, what I wanted to say, is that we will always have this. So if uh, if um, editor AD, this could be set to some sentimental background music, that would be great. Hanley knocks it into the centre. A chance. <gasps> Oh, Norwich have equalised. How awful. Oh, no. When are Ipswich Town ever going to beat them? It's closer. Gunners run the length of the field. Oh, this is heartbreaking. There are fans on the pitch. Ipswich Town can't believe it. Bielkowski is crestfallen. Look at Mick McCarthy's face on the monitor. It's Norwich City 1, Ipswich Town 1. Madison from halfway, hits one long and deep towards the Ipswich penalty area. Closer gets his head to it, it runs into the box, Hanley's going to chase it and Hanley's going to keep it in here. Right hand side, plays the ball across, Grant Hanley, chance for Closer! Yeah! Closer! I just do a shout out as well for the time he headbutted the corner flag. Absolutely. Yes, I missed that game. Um, I think it was Cameron Jerome's first goal for the club, if I remember rightly, in that. Was it? Oh, yes, yeah. Possibly. Certainly Um, at Carrow Road, anyway. Yeah, but a great celebration. Um, Do you think we'll see him in an orange shirt again, Steve? Um, No, don't think we will. 
it's worth flagging up. He's obviously signed with Basel, which is, of course, his hometown club for the rest of this season. He has two years left on his current deal, um, and, but there is an option to buy for Basel as well. Um, don't think anyone else is coming in over the rest of the transfer window, by the way. It, of course, closes at uh, 5 p.m. on Friday, and this is basically for loans and signings only between the Premier League and EFL clubs. Uh, there was a bit of linking with uh, William Saliba from Arsenal on loan, but nothing in that, so that's not going to happen. So if you're still thinking that might, don't bother. Um, Dean, would you be a little bit worried if Norwich didn't bring in a, another centre-back? Um, as long as they don't get injuries, I think it'd be okay. But you've got <laughs> to expect that that's, that's unlikely to happen. So I think I would like to, to have seen them try and do a bit of business. Like you said, maybe a loan would be would be a possibility from from one of the Premier League clubs as to as to if there's any sort of spare centre backs as such that that's on the radar. I think that would certainly that would certainly help. But I think realistically, closer was never going to really be involved this season. And Gibson has has been brought in as a replacement for Godfrey, expecting him to go. So Grant Hanley's fit as far as I know. So. Um, I think at the moment it's fine, but as we get into the the, the meat uh, of the season, I think that's when it it could tell if they haven't got that that fourth centre back. Um, so, Mike, Michael, is Teddy regarded as centre back number four by the by the obvious moment? Dean saying he hopes. So. I mean, it's um. Uh, what, um I think they've sort of got three up three potential options as their fourth centre back. Um, if you know two are injured and they're still playing four four two, which would one would be Alex Tetty, who looked a bit more comfortable there in, in preseason. But I mean, can you really judge in preseason? Wouldn't be the same as coming up against um, Neil Mopai, I suppose. But you know, he might still come up against someone quite decent in the championship, you'd imagine. Um, so yeah, he's one option. Um, Jacob Sorensen is another. He plays. Um, centre back for the Dan- Dan- Denmark's under twenty ones, and and I think the Danish team like him playing there and he's played there a fair bit so um i think he is seen as an option there of course but he hasn't played any championship football at all never mind in in what i guess is his kind of secondary position um and then andrew omobamadeli who uh, would there's good potential he'd be fast tracked he has trained with the first team he was on the bench uh luton in the carabao cup at the start of the season i watched him in the 23s which we're going to come on to in a in a little bit but um He's looked excellent every time I've seen him play, but he is 18 and you can still see he's a bit raw and it would be quite a big thing to chuck him into first team uh, you know, championship action straight away. But that's not to say he wouldn't cope. I guess that's what Norwich did with Max Ahrens and, and what they did with, with Jamal Lewis. Um, but they, I, I suppose, it to a degree, came into sides that weren't probably carrying expectation of, of really you know, run, um, doing well in, in the division, I suppose. But... Uh, it's, I suppose that's the balancing act as well, isn't it, Dean, with bringing in a loan, judging a sort of a promising youngster from a Premier League club compared to a promising youngster you've got, you've got yourself. I imagine that must be so hard to judge. Yeah, I think it's a really difficult balance for the club. You're right. And I think, I think they would probably sway towards bringing in a youngster. I think that's the way the club are, are certainly going. And it's worked. So why wouldn't they continue to... To use that, and also, I always think with with clubs like Norwich, if you're putting in so much effort, you're signing players at sort of that 17, 18, 19 years of age, and playing them in the 23, then they're the ones that. To, if you're putting in that investment and that time and effort into into that, then you have to then give them that that option and that um, that being able to fast track into the first team and give them the chance rather than maybe uh, bringing in a, a loan sign. The only way I would bring in a loan signing, if it's, say, for example, a centre-back, would be somebody that's going to walk in and be a starter in your eleven. Otherwise, I don't really see the point. Exactly. Which, again, is why Akin Fomewo has gone out on loan to Charlton in League One to get games because he needs them for his development, almost at yeah. his personal game. And, and I suppose to a degree to Norwich's expense, but they'll hope he comes back and is is involved next season. Um, uh, the good news is now the international window is closed. It's all gone nice and quiet with Fenerbahce fans talking about Emi Buendia. I think they've, <laughs> they've <laughs> understood that he's not going. So that, that's been a nice quiet week for me. Um, 
so we've also got Emmy Wendia, Todd Campwell. Uh, Max Aaron's is away with the 21s, England 21s at the moment. Steve, all staying, aren't they? A bit, a bit, a bit of Leeds, a bit of Leeds extra chat about um, Todd Campwell and the um, Victor Orta. I think spoke about spoke about them liking Todd, but I think we all kind of know that it's it's where he is on their list and whether they want to buy him, which I'm not really sure is there. Yeah, well, I mean, you're definitely setting me up for a fall, saying, "Yeah, they're all going to stay, Michael." I'm not, I'm not <laughs> falling into that honey trap, no chance. But um, it's it's definitely looking more promising than it was. A couple of weeks ago, if only because, well, clearly the number of suitors is uh, is heavily reduced. I could see them all being here come uh, Friday night, um, but at the same time, clubs may well get desperate, and you know that will be the first place that I would turn if I was a Premier League club looking for an attacking midfielder or a good right back. It's just whether they're prepared to meet the the money that Norwich will undoubtedly ask for. I'll be as glad as any other Norwich supporter. I think it's really hampered the start of the season. I think it's been a real issue for Daniel Farker. You know, he has come out and spoke um, about Buendia and Campwell. And, and there's no doubt I've been there. It does affect you, especially, you know, someone like Todd, who, you know, he's a Norwich boy. He clearly loves the club, but he'll have his own ambitions. He'll he'll be ambitious to play at the top level. He's had a taste of it. When you've had a taste of Premier League football, you don't want to play Championship football. You just don't. It's rubbish compared to the Premier League. <laughs> so you don't want to be there. So so he's he's going to be really conflicted. And you've got when you're young and you've got um and you've got a lot of sort of press interest and rumours. It's diff- it is difficult to focus. So. I'll be really glad when Friday's over and, and Daniel Farker can sit down and just see what squad he's got to deal with. And I, th- I think we'll see a, I think it will see a difference in the squad and the mentality within a week or two weeks of it closing. I have to say, I, I really agree with that. And I thought, obviously, it's interesting and other people have picked up on the fact that Todd has, has put a few positive things on, on his Instagram. Not that I've seen them, but um, they are up there on there, on there which, which is good to see. And I... Um, yeah, you must you must feel a little bit for 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 Todd. It was interesting how Daniel Farker spoke about them both because he obviously a lot of it was quite strong, but he he also made the point that they are only human beings and that he's not actually angry with them. It's not about that. It's literally Dean about you know what what they are and what they're having to deal with, and it does seem a, a it's difficult to judge what what people are saying to Todd and how he's being advised, but. It, it, does feel like maybe that probably hasn't helped the situation you can imagine if you're in his shoes you, you're relying a lot on the people around you at that point aren't you just in terms of how you process the situation yeah I think it's I think it's vital who's around you and and how you deal with it and you know like like I said he might have a harping to 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 go to the Premier League and want to move. And, and I, you know, I did. I was trying to get the move when I left Norwich because I wanted to go back to the Premier League. He might have been in that same situation. But I think what's really, really important is, and it, it has been disappointing that we haven't seen the full set of players available for every game so far because you've still got to play. You know, you not playing doesn't suddenly mean you're definitely going to get a move. So I've been disappointed that we haven't seen a full quota of players right from the start of the season but you're right it does affect you it's you're only human and hopefully yeah hopefully things can settle and uh, and then the people that have probably been in his ear will remove themselves and he can get on with playing football again because that's the only way I was ex- I was hoping Todd was going to be the player of the, the season this season in the championship I think it's set up perfectly for him to go and dominate the league. Yeah, just, just, just wondering that that season when we got relegated. Were you aware of any interest over the summer in in yourself where you thought, oh yeah, that that'd be a good move? Yeah, of course. You get a couple of clubs that'll say to you, "We're interested" via third, fourth, fifth parties, or where, <laughs> however it goes around the um, around the houses, and then eventually it comes to the point where the club says. You know, the, the buying club will say, well, Norwich are saying that they won't accept our bid. We don't want to go any further. If you want the move, you're going to have to kick up. So it then it's then you then have that on your mind of the club you perhaps want to go to. And then, well, I don't want to turn around to the people that 
um, that employ me and, and are giving me my chance and suddenly have to make a big fuss and be the person that you're not. It's, it's not, it's not a very nice position to be in, but that's, that is what happens behind the scenes. You'll have the playing club want you to get involved to push the move through. You'll have Norwich saying, we don't care because you're our asset and we're the ones that are putting the work in and we expect a, a certain fee. So it's a real battle when you're young, but you've got to just keep playing. That's why you're there. You're there to play football, keep playing, and eventually things normally sort themselves out. Which I suppose with your case, Dean, you know, you had clubs that were trying to sign you and, and Norwich obviously ended up giving you a new contract and all that sort of stuff. It's It's been a curious situation this summer that we've had sort of Todd and Emmy pushing for a move with nowhere um, immediately evident that they would be going because no one's no one's actually properly picked up the phone um, to Norwich about that. But we'll see. We've still got a few days left. As Steve said at the start of this segment, it's quite easy to get burned in this situation and everything can change really quickly. <laughs> so um, expect all three to fly out the door. Uh, we will see. But the, the good news is the next time you hear a podcast from us, it'll all be done. Until January. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right. Uh, things we are not going to discuss. Uh, these are the things that have happened. And, you know, we should give them due um, mention, but we don't really want to spend too long discussing them, do we? I don't really want to sit here uh, talking about the international break, <laughs> to be honest. The international football, that's the first. Um, but, you know, everyone's okay so far in terms of general fitness. Uh, I get the impression. Um, there was some nice stuff from um, A.D. Boothroyd on Max Aaron saying how well he's coped with all the uh, speculation around him, how hard he's working and the competition he's got to deal with uh, around the uh, England right back situation because there's a lot of very good right backs. So, um, you know, Max has got a lot of competition there, but he's only 20. We don't really want to talk about that. Um, and I don't want to talk about all the miles that Adam Eder's had to rack up going backwards and forwards between the Republic of Ireland being a close contact to a positive COVID test that was then a false positive. So then he got, um, he, I think he got invited back and Norwich were a little bit uncertain whether he, if he then tested negative here, he would have to, he would be okay to play at Rotherham or Saturday or would have to self-isolate. You know, basically, he missed the Republic of Ireland's game and they got knocked out on penalties anyway of, of the Euro playoff. So that was a bit sickening. Would he have, play, would he have played in that game? Would he have started potentially? Because he, he has started a couple under Kenny, hasn't he? Yeah, he started the first two. He was on the bench, I think. And then he didn't appear on the bench and they were like, oh, what's happened? So, um, but I, I would imagine he would have come on. So um, I think he's playing um, Temu Pukki's Finland soon as they're officially yeah. known here wednesday night i think that's exactly i don't really want to talk about that um kenny mclean scored a penalty in a penalty shootout do you know how about that scotland the lord the lord delivered he did <laughs> <laughs> he did it's got a very cool penalty as well although i'm convinced penalty shootouts are a doddle and there's no fans in the ground i've got to be honest <laughs> yeah. that's why some of these are going to like 2018 aren't they because there's no pressure mm, yeah. on yeah uh, he was the one who missed in the Spurs shooter as well. And and they obviously brought him on, for, uh, for Norwich, obviously. Um, and yes. they clearly brought him on with 10 minutes to go with that fifth penalty in mind. Do so they knew it was going to be him before he stepped on. They must have done. Oh. Yeah, well, he brought him oh. on with that 10 to play. So he, but fair play to him. You know, suck it away. That's all you've got to do, isn't it? Step closer to a Mayor finals. That was my pun, which I keep repeating, hoping it gets better. Timo <laughs> um, uh, Pukki did play for Finland at the weekend. He obviously missed the game, the first game, because of his uh, in, infected uh, toe <laughs> again. <laughs> but uh, it, he got an assist in that. So that was uh, Grand Bulgaria, I think they won, 2-0. So Finland ticking along nicely. Um, oh, I was going to flag up my Lucas Rupp piece. I didn't really know whether to talk about it. We did talk about it last week, but I, you know, I penciled a little piece on the Athletic in terms of whether yeah. there's a step forward for Lucas Rupp. But I feel like we've spoken quite a lot about Lucas Rupp. It deserves a bit of love, I think. A bit of love. He's got it in the neck a bit, so I think yeah. Any, anything that's positive, I think let's let's, let's embrace that. All right. Well, there there is a bit of love, but not not too much. We're not going to talk about that. Um, Cameron Jerome is at MK Don's, Dean. Russ Russell Martin's tapping up his contacts. He is, isn't he? He's. Um, I think is he, he. He obviously wants to work with players that 
he knows and trusts. And I tell you what, he, he'll certainly get a certain amount of work rate from uh, from Cameron. I just wonder what it means, obviously, for, for Carlton. Yeah, I did kind of rattle through my head a bit. Um, well, it means he'll be working with Cameron Jerome. Let's look at the positives and then we'll see who gets <laughs> yeah. to play. Um, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what shape Cam's in since he was, what was he? He was in Turkey, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Lack yeah. of research. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Is there anything you, uh, you guys don't want to talk about particularly, Steve? Uh, we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but, um, just getting some fans back into Carrow Road again would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, there seem to be crowds everywhere else now other than in football stadiums. So, um, yeah, I don't want to don't want to talk about it because everyone else is, but um, hopefully it won't be too long now. Yeah, do you think we have lost? We have. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know what the government are thinking, to be honest. But um, we have lost every single game behind closed doors. So, um, oh gosh, so, is that true? So, no, I think so. No, we beat Huddersfield. No, sorry, sorry, at Carrow Road. Oh, at Carrow Road. Yeah. Big pun. Yeah. Um, What a shocker, eh? Well, good job we're not there on Saturday. (laughs) So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) There is one thing I really don't want to talk about, but we are going to talk about it in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. But first up, uh, Centrefold is a split. We'll do some questions in a moment. Um, but this part is going to be just on flagging up, really, the piece I did. I went to Newport. I wasn't sure whether I was going to go or not, but I did go in the end because uh, Newport were hosting Norwich City under-23s in the EFL Trophy. What a competition that is, by the way. It was a hell of a night for Norwich, really. Bearing in mind, well, it's actually their under-21 side because that's the official name of it during the competition, but it, but it is effectively their 23s. Um, that said, three of them were 19. The others, eight, <laughs> were um, 18 years old. And to go and win 5 0 at uh, a League Two side, albeit a much changed League Two side, but having also won uh, 3 2 at Plymouth um, in the in their sort of group game before they've got a game at Cheltenham coming up next in the November international break. Um, I hope you read the piece because there was a, a lot of stuff to put together in terms of you know that that team has come together over a number of years. There are some players like Tyrese Omotoye who scored a hat-trick and his third goal was an absolute peach. Um, you know, he was picked up um, by, the, by the sort of scouting system when he was 12 from South London. So he's, you know, he's been in the academy six years, but also isn't, particularly, isn't necessarily local to, to Norfolk initially. They've got players in there who they've signed maybe two or three years ago from Ireland in college football uh, and actually paid money for. I think they paid 10 grand for, to sign uh, Omar Vamadeli um, um, from, from Ireland. So, and, and a lot of people have had that input into that, putting that side together. And then it sort of strikes me, Steve, how you've got this group of 18, 19 year olds, not including the sort of say 19 to 21 year olds 22 year olds who are out on loan there's about 12 of those guys as well who are out on loan at other clubs at the moment so I mean that is a lot of players coming through you know all playing regularly to a to a kind of promising level yeah that was the point I was going to make and it's point you made in your piece is that that you know this doesn't include all of those who aren't even at the club at the moment and you know I, I think we, we all know that that that's the way that uh, the Weber wants to play it kind of get them in young and, and allow them to develop and out of all of those players the chances are you're going to get at least a couple who um, who then push on to be the next Max Aarons, the next Jamal Lewis, the next Ben Godfrey. I was looking at the, the other results actually because it is a strange competition isn't it where you've got these Premier League teams that are effectively fielding their youth sides and I kind of thought is that normal? Is it to beat a league team 5-0? Is that normal? And the majority of them lost. I think there might have been one other team that won. That's a seriously impressive win and I, I was just wondering whether obviously uh, Omotoye would have stood out presumably with the hat-trick and a couple of the goals were really nice but was there anybody else who caught your eye just over that the course of that 90 minutes yeah I mean I thought I thought Josh Martin you could tell he'd come in and Bali Mumba actually you could tell he'd come in from regular first team training um I think they'd only been with the with the group a couple of days or so to work ahead of the ahead of the game so I'm, I'm guessing maybe the, even like the Monday and Tuesday and maybe at the weekend but um um I've, I thought the way they sort of knitted things together, especially early on in the first sort of 15 minutes when Norwich were, were very good. And then they had much greater control all over the pitch in the second half. Um, 
uh, so the centre backs were coming up against a fair amount of experience, and actually as good as Omabami Deli was, I thought uh, uh, Jonathan Tonkinson next to him was was as was as good as I've seen. He's an 18 year old they've signed from the states. He's, he's come over. He's been over a year, and there were just a lot of players like him, like Tonkinson, William Hondemark, who looked a little bit lost when I've seen them play in in a, in a couple of years. But they actually looked looked bang on it this time, and and sort of happy and knowing what they were doing and, and strong and powerful when you consider that you know basically it was kids against a men's team even though Newport had a couple of kids in generally it was it was still a reasonably experienced also certainly an older side in as well so yeah that was probably it I mean Amatoya did sign did sort of stand out for his goals but um I thought in, in general play um there were, there were a fair few guys who who stood out and um I think I probably listed them all there. I think, but, uh, <laughs> That's the but most of them, yeah. I mean, on, on a performance like that, when it all comes together, it's it's almost harder to pick people who just completely shine because everyone is looking like a collective uh, and a sort of a well-oiled machine. Which which isn't ideal when you're talking about youth development because you probably do want two or three to really stand out because it's such a difficulty to kind of push on. But I mean, you, I suppose Norwich are kind of forging a reputation in youth development that. Crew almost had when you were coming through, Dean, because it was ridiculous. Some of the talent that was coming through there, sort of season after season. Yeah, but that's down to, like you said, recruitment. Not only recruitment of, you know, young players from the area, but from all different age groups as well. Bringing in, I mean, obviously Ben Godfrey came in very, very late and was, you know, we bought him from York, didn't we? Mm. Um, and who really knew at that point that he was going to develop into the player that he already has done. I think what's really promising from a Norwich point of view, that's maybe slightly different to the crew model who literally have just, it's, it's purely about developing very young uh, boys in all the way through and into the first team is, is, is this, like you said, the, the amount of players that have gone out on loan and it's got a little bit of the sort of Chelsea feel to it in that, if they go out on loan and do really well, how many are really going to come and play in Norwich's first team? It's it, it, There's not going to be that many out of all these players that you've just talked about, you know, the, the loan players and this big group of 20 under-21s and 23s players, but they might go out on loan, do brilliantly and have a sell-on fee because they they're that club that they've been that they've been on loan at wants to buy them because they're such a good player. Norwich don't feel like he's going to be in, in their first. So you've, you're almost creating money through a player that you're not even going to use in your first team. And I think that's very promising. And like you say about reputation, the fact that already the business that Norwich have done in the last two or three seasons and the huge sums of money for these young players that they've basically paid nothing for is just, it's incredible. And it means that clubs will look to Norwich first before necessarily... Um, other clubs and I think that is really promising yeah there's a cracking there's a cracking pathway at the moment also filters into another piece I've written which I'm hoping will be live uh, this week um, having spoken to some of the under 23 players who were were actually released last season just about their process and memories and what that's been like for them so uh, keep an eye out for that one um, and read my piece from Newport which is which is over there at the Athletic as well let's take a couple of questions shall we um which we got on Twitter. Uh, first up, it's it's two two questions in one. So Jacob Yates says, "What do you think of the leaked potential reform of Eng of the English football pyramid?" Bob Button says, "Any insight on Norwich's stance on Project Big Picture? Who came up with that? What was your first thought when you saw all this, um, Steve? If, if people want to read what it is, it's um, it's all out there." <laughs> um, I mean, from a from a football fan point of view. Um, and Dean will know far more about the Football League than I do, but um, I, I would be very wary of uh, the clubs in the EFL jumping into bed with the Big Six and the Premier League because I can't believe that the Big Six and the Premier League can do anything other than act in self-interest. And it does feel like they're picking their moment to kind of team up with the, the EFL when it's essentially at its weakest and the clubs are at their most desperate. Maybe I'm being cynical, but um, I do feel like that that could come back to bite it, the EFL if they were to to kind of to jump in with uh, with those big teams. From a Norwich City point of view, um, we're kind of in this weird situation, aren't we, where we're not, we're, we've come down from the Premier League, we're in good a good financial situation, which a lot of the Championship clubs aren't. But looking at some of the proposals to bring the Premier League down to 18 clubs, 
immediately that that strikes me as well that's that's too few places for us no parachute payments would also have a negative impact on the club i mean i i still think the and i've said it before the the main focus on this whole thing should be making sure that none of the clubs none of the 92 football league clubs go under so if if it achieves that then great but i don't think it would help norwich no it would sort of in, entrench a lot of extra power for for the big six when called on the top six because it's not um but certainly the big six um and just in terms of, of Norwich, I mean, there's nothing official coming from Norwich, nor will there be. And I think that's the case for a lot of a lot of clubs. Um, as Steve says, Norwich are in that sort of bracket where, if, you know, you would find clubs that would oppose this, which is going to be the lower half of the Premier League. Because as you say, you've got fewer teams in, in the Premier League and, and a closed shop above them. But also the loss of parachute payments and just a harder job really to get into the championship. So you can imagine there's a sort of a group of 20 clubs who might not like it, but... Leagues one and two aren't going to get into the Premier League anytime soon and, and are desperate for the money, aren't they, Dean? So it's, uh, I mean, it's just a, it's almost a flight of fancy at the moment because it's, it's not like it's on the table for everyone to vote on or anything like that. I mean, look, clearly there needs to be some kind of rescue package, doesn't there, for the EFL? I wouldn't put Norwich in that bracket because financially, I think with the business that they've done, they're in as good a position as, as probably any within the, uh, within the EFL. But I think that this, to me, really sort of stinks of you've got American owners. It's got that feel of the NFL about the franchise kind of keeping it in house. I re- I just don't like. I really don't like the way it's kind of been, the way it's kind of been put and talked about the power that six clubs could have over the. I just, you know, I think I I think of English football as each club that's in say each league has really got a vote and to even comprehend the thought that at some point six clubs could take the power away from the whole league and make decisions and that really doesn't sit sit well with me at all and the fact that the Premier League have straight away come out and said what (laughs) (laughs) hang on a minute Rick Parry said it they said this is all right you know it's just for the, the, the fact the Premier League has come out and said that makes me think it's a non-starter for a, for a start. And also, but I think hopefully it'll make them now think, okay, we actually need to do something properly to sort this out, which I'm hoping maybe this is stirred up. Eddie asked the question, any chance Tom Tribal, Moritz Leitner and or, and or Josip Drimic have their contracts cancelled? like Ben Marshall. Um, so um, Eddie's gone for the contract cancel route, whereas normally I'm asked, Steve, if there's any way they'll come back in. Uh, a bit of shame, wouldn't it? If, if Tribal or Lightning in particular had their contracts cancelled, it just doesn't seem right. They have given plenty to the club. Um, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's possible. I feel like you would know the answer to that one better than <laughs> me, Michael. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's never come up. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't see any of them having their contracts cancelled that wouldn't just provide the same expense to Norwich as doing it up front, uh, as doing it sort of over the length of it. I don't think they're on that long contracts either, to be honest. Yossips is probably the longest. So there we go. I mean, I must admit, I wrote my Lucas Rupp piece about, you know, his ticket to becoming a valuable member of the Norwich squad and how well he's done in possession and things like that. And I didn't put it in there, but obviously the big caveat in the back of my head was like, well, yeah, but Tom Tribal and Moritz Leiner could probably yeah. do this just as well. But, you know, these uh, these decisions are made, aren't they? We move on. It's up to Daniel Farker and Stuart Weber. The, these are the calls. They get paid a lot of money to make. Thomas Lover. hope I pronounced that right, Thomas. Although it, you know, in, in English would just be Lover, which is obviously lovely. Um, how do you honestly see, this for you, Dean, I reckon, how do you honestly see the season going? Good, bad, promotion, relegation? <laughs> relegation would be pretty off the rail stuff wouldn't it no, I, mean, not... I, I, ha- I had Norwich in the automatic promotion places because first of all I didn't think they would lose as many players and at the moment that seems the case obviously I thought they'd lose a couple um, and they have um, so as long as they don't le- lose any more I actually thought the squad looked stronger at the start of this season than it did at the start of the Premier League season so I just think it's going to take maybe a bit more time than possibly expected just because of the new players coming in, the players that are uncertain. And, you know, there are a lot of scars to heal from, from Daniel Farker's point of view. When you've had a season of 
losing most games and the way they did at the end of the season, that just takes a little bit of healing time and that only comes in performances, in victories and I just think it might be a bit of a slow burner for Norwich but I think second half of the season I can really see them rip-roaring through the league because you only have to look at the games they've lost. They had more possession, they had more opportunities so it wasn't as if the performance wasn't quite there, they just didn't quite have the cutting edge so I think that'll come. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, I will be at, uh, thank you for all your questions. Obviously, I'll be at the New York Stadium on Saturday for Norwich's trip to Paul Warren's Rotherham United. So make sure you keep an eye out on the Athletic app and website for all my live and considered Norwich content, our match day discussion page and plenty more. Decide, uh, besides, seven games in 24 days coming up. Three away from home, including Brentford and Bristol City. Four at Carrow Road. Dean. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this is like proper yeah, now, I'd isn't fancy, it? I fancy the, the away games more. Uh, like Steve said, it seems like Carrow has lost its edge that he certainly had when we got promoted a season or so ago. Um, but again, I think it's... I can't underestimate how crucial the end of this window is for Norwich and the settling down period for the players within the next two weeks or 24 days, like you said, I think it's so, so crucial. I love it. Um, one last thing we'd like to ask for is a prediction. One thing that's going to happen before we next record uh, the On The Ball podcast. Uh, last week, John Rogers said people will be unreasonable on Twitter. I mean, yeah, silly things to say. I'm sure it happened. Uh, Dan said Tom Camp- Todd Campwell would post a picture on Instagram. Um, I think he described it and it didn't quite follow suit, but Todd did. So there we go. And I said closer would, uh, would join Basel. Um, so there we go. And, and Pookie would score a penalty, which he didn't, uh, but he did get an assist. So what's going to happen uh, this week, Steve? What's your prediction? My prediction, just because you mentioned Rotherham there, is that either you or one of your colleagues in the press box will make some reference to the fact that you know you're back in the championship when you're playing at the New York Stadium instead of at the Etihad or Stamford Bridge or some, some kind of backhanded reference to Rotherham Stadium. That, that's what I'm going for. You're not going to do it now, but, but someone else will. I'm far too classy to do something <laughs> quite as cliched. I can tell you New York Stadium will be much better for the fact there are not fans in it because last time I was there, I got absolute dog's abuse both on social media afterwards and in the ground. It was for the press box had never known anything like it, but there we go. Um, how about you, Dean? Now what's going to happen? Rotherham will score a set play, set play against us. That is just definitely going to happen. They did it last last season. They were the best in that league, I think, with Wickham. Um, and obviously Norwich's um, inadequacies in that department. But I think they'll still win. Oh. So concede a set play, but win. I can, I tell you what, I can, <laughs> yeah, well, I can definitely see them getting a penalty as well. But I don't want to predict what's going to happen with that penalty. I just I can't bring myself to... Is that your it. prediction then, Michael? Yeah, I penalty. think Norwich will get a penalty. Yeah. Well, you know, let's maybe Marco will take it and then miss. But um, uh, let's hope that's not what happens. Um, on that glorious bit of uh, positivity, I think we're done. Uh, on the ball, we'll be with you every step of the way this season. So make sure you subscribe via your app, uh, podcast player of choice even. Uh, and the uh, podcast is available free for everyone on your usual podcast player and ad-free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. If you uh, like what we're doing, please leave a review and a rating wherever you can and uh, spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world. If you'd like to get in touch, ask a question, pose a topic, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. In the meantime, a big thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Pleasure, Michael. Thanks. Dean, always a joy. Thank you so much for taking time out. We'll uh, speak to you again, I hope, soon. Always a pleasure. Anytime, just give me a little WhatsApp. Oh, I love it. What a top man. Uh, we are back again next week for another On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger.
Well, there we go. That was fun. You enjoy that, Steve? What a lovely bloke Dean Ashton is, by the way. I know, isn't he? I mean, you know, all the ex-pros that I've met, they do say, they do say don't meet your heroes, don't they? But um, Dean Dino just seems like a top man. Um, I feel like we've had this conversation before and there was a Norwich City... Is there an Norwich City hero you do or don't want to meet or one you've met and thought, oh, God? Uh, to be fair, they all seem all right. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the ones who we met, I was a bit nervous about meeting Steve Morrison during lockdown, but he didn't seem too bad. I thought he'd be really grumpy, but he was actually all right. Exactly. There, was, there was actually one thing about, and this kind of harks back on um, onto one of the, the kit thing that we've been talking about. Um, whose name did you have on the back of your shirt? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm quite glad he's gone actually because um, I, I've never had a name on the back of my shirt. But I did do the um, the whole queuing up at the Castle Mall to get you in Norwich to get your your shirt your shirt signed. Oh yeah. And so I've had my shirt signed by Dean Ashton. He's the only it was him and the other player who he signed in that January window. Who was? Can you remember? Um... From I think we signed him from Charlton. He'd also played for Everton. Oh. Was it Graham Stewart? It was, yeah. Oh, Dean and Graham Stewart signed my shirt. <laughs> and that's, that's all I've got on that one. But um, So yeah, 14-year-old 14, 14 me did meet Dean Ashton. Oh, I love it. And, and but, it, but it, you know, met your expectations? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was far too shy to say anything. So I just went, oh, thanks, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, I mean, um, that should probably factor into... Uh, into uh, wits end uh, by the way hello everyone hello twitterkers welcome okay. to wits Hi. end um, if you are wondering what's going on go listen to on the ball podcast number 42 which went live on september the 8th it's all explained there that's all i'm now going to say um email twitterkers at icloud.com hashtag twitterkers which is twitter k-e-r-s that's the hashtag um that should be a new subject really that we should have probably yeah your your norwich city heroes where they either lived up to your expectations or didn't and <laughs> failed miserably and then there's another norwich player who i remember queuing up i i always forget where i've told these stories um well queued up to just to say hello i think he might have signed a card or something i was probably too old to really do this but we did uh and um it was it was Chris Llewellyn and he was having a bit of a difficult time and I remember saying to him, Oh, um he queued up and said, Oh you're doing great stuff, Chris. I always like always like watching you play and um, you know, even even when it wasn't going well and you were getting loads of stick, I was still telling everyone around you, you know, no, no, you know, he's he's come good, give him time, all this sort of things. And he just produced this sort of cynical laugh. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, All right, literally, screw you. <laughs> so um yeah. But I, he seems like a good guy, Chris Llewellyn. I'd like to chat to him at some point. That's that's always the thing I would be most worried about, is saying something really complimentary and then just then going, yeah, thanks, cheers. <laughs> yeah, whatever, heard it all before, yeah. don't believe you. I saw you giving me the sign when, I was in, when you were in the stand. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose when you become a journalist, you're less inclined to put loads of praise on these people. Well, I am, I feel. Not, not everyone I known do this job is quite like that but um <laughs> probably one for another day um i tell you what let's go through a couple of things shall we as we normally do uh what do we have don't forget to include the hashtag twitterkers where you wish to uh, we'll flag up those we always look at them um and uh, include the best of those each week they're sort of mixed into our other subjects this week but keep those coming please uh, ncfc puns had a few of those obviously no covid related puns this week which is good probably because it's all got a bit more serious and everyone's a bit more more depressed about it all um but uh, jake via twitter he uh, he went on a bit of a lucas rup um spree um producing uh flucas rup now i don't know if that's in relation to his performance against derby Fluke to a bit a bit harsh um mucus rup which i guess could also be a comment on yeah um, but a bit, a bit harsh and then um, Lucas Fripp and I think by that point he just got a bit bored but uh, I, you know what Jake I appreciate the efforts um, so keep your Norwich City uh, puns coming in I don't think we've got better than uh, Emmy other business yet which is at the end of this uh, end of this uh, section but um, I'm always good for a Norwich City pun um, I owe everyone two pictures on Twitter, I've realised, because I was going to tweet the picture Neil Winter sent of uh, 
Robert Snodgrass looking miserable when he signed for Hull. Um, we definitely want more of your pictures of Norwich players looking miserable when they've either left the club or sold. Ben Godfrey looked really happy when he signed for Everton, by the way. <laughs> Which double thumbs up. Was yeah, that, I think. he was delighted to get out. <laughs> um, so I owe everyone that um, uh, Robert Snodgrass picture. And I still owe the picture from... Um, uh, from oh whose uh, whose email was it again? I did this last week, didn't I? I completely forgot. Uh, I owe them from from Chandler's email. I owe the picture of uh, Gary O'Neill looking wild with his headband. I'm going to put both of those pictures up on my Twitter account on Friday, obviously with no context as to why, but they'll just both be on there on deadline day. They're deadline day tweets, they're treats and tweets basically. Mm-hmm. So you'll get those two pictures. Um, but it's your task, everyone out there, at some point to come up with your pictures of. Uh, Maybe your favourite Norwich City pictures. I don't know. Um, Can I throw an extra miserable signing in there? This was a player who signed for us, though, not was sold by us. Um, I distinctly remember Ibrahim Amadou um, looking thoroughly unimpressed to be here, probably because he'd just got off a plane from Seville. Um, but it was it was kind of like it was a bit of a poor tent for us to come. Maybe he knew within two months he was going to be <laughs> like playing at, at centre-back, or, or he foresaw being you know, hauled off at half time in at Southampton coming or something. I don't know. But yeah. I remember if anyone um out there or you Twitterkers can dig out the picture of Ibrahim Amadou looking miserable when it's time for Norwich, that'll be good. I might have a look for that one myself. Well, oh Matt Warman got back in touch. Hello Matt. Uh, he sent us a picture a couple of weeks ago of his two thousand and six to eight ish classic Julien Brelier shirt, home shirt. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to wear that, do you? Um, well, Matt came back um, to say that he still wears it to games now, and it has never seen Norwich lose. Seriously? Apparently, the shirt has never seen Norwich lose a game, which would raise questions of when you wore it when Julian Brelier was at the club. I have to say, Matt, because I don't think there were many wins at that point, um, but I may be wrong. Um, apparently, Norwich always we always get battered if I don't wear it says Matt oh, right well he needs to start wearing it again when was the last uh, time you wore it Matt mm, I, you need to start walking up at Carrow Road anyway just turn up um, don't do not do that obviously I'll get in trouble <laughs> um, <laughs> but there we go yeah I, I want to hear more about your Julien Brelier shirt to be honest Matt to keep it coming there's, I feel like there's not a lid on the amount of information I want about this shirt so I wonder where it's been like, where's the best place it's been there must be a few of, random ones in there can't have been to Carrow Road that often <laughs> but also (laughs) actually been to carry road (laughs) (laughs) has he worn it once (laughs) um but also if it's that lucky you'd wear it all the time wouldn't you why would you not then wear it where where was it Matt? what did you is it your fault which relegation is your fault did you not wear the shirt enough i'm pinning it we need we need matt here we need matt here well yeah well more hey wit's end it's it's everyone's um uh, we're going to get some more stuff in, but there's obviously a few over the last few weeks. Get your suggestions in. I did want to hear your Norwich City social media stories. I don't know if you have an answer to this, Steve, because John Rogers said that he unfollowed Ben Godfrey basically immediately after he was sold. <laughs> he was yeah. like, you're done. Thank you. But is, is, there, anyone you, is there anyone you're clinging on to? As you, you um, I'm the opposite, actually. Um, not from the, the numbers account, obviously, but from my <laughs> own personal account, which has uh, no followers, pretty much. Um, Secrets. I'm the opposite in that I don't really have the heart to let go of them. So I'm still following the likes of, um, I think, Kai Kamara, um, uh, David Fox. They're all, they're all still on there. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to keep up with them, see what they're doing. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm the complete opposite in that I should probably have a cull, to be fair. Um, but, <laughs> we but could no. do that. We could do that live on here. If you want to do that, we could do a live Twitter call. I <laughs> might do that myself. Great audio, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I, I need, I need. Yeah, we could do yeah, like sections of live Twitter culling. I'm gonna. Yeah, call yeah, Robert Snodgrass, stay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that <laughs> might be a way, way to go. Don't, don't cull Snoddy, by the way. What a no, 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 he's going nowhere. Uh, read my interview with him. Um, I think we're pretty much done there. Uh, I don't think there's anything we did. We did. Dan did try and propose what I should do as my next video on TikTok. Only Have you done, done any? Well, I've done two. One with my cat. And I can't remember what the other one was. I was pretending to do one of the dances everyone was doing and then not doing it. Like the flash dance. Do, 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 do. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I sort of well, pretended to do it and then obviously didn't. <laughs> Um, well, I'm signing on to TikTok just to see that. Well, yes. Um, so the, I, I've, left it, I've left it open as to what my next TikTok video is um, to people to decide if they want. Um, we have a poll. 
Well, Dan suggest. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be that. Sounds like a lot of effort. Dan did suggest I dress up as Todd Cantwell, which I thought was quite disrespectful to Todd. I, I think you could start um, trying to imitate his Instagram posts with, you know, props that you have from your own home. Wow. And, um... you, you guys are not helping me out here whatsoever. <laughs> um, we uh, have uh, Wits End is the proud uh, parent of um two unofficial twitter accounts <laughs> at ncfc twitterkers but that's spelled as in whitaker uh, rather than twitterker uh they um they their last tweet was a chuckle brothers um gif which went out uh, about the time tim closer was loaned out to basel so oh, were, the, were the two related in any way i don't know i can't i can't, I can't claim any any um, ownership of that we obviously don't know who's running these accounts but fair play to them uh, and another one any other business lots of partridge gifts which is obviously um, always, al- always uh, appreciated and uh, twitterkers.co.uk that someone else has set up um, all of our subjects are being added to that pe- that website uh, the looks, which, by the yeah, links. I absolutely um, love that I, just, I, <laughs> we're big fans and we look forward to what happens next with it because we will be flagging it up in here uh, providing we're able to um there was one email i wanted to flag up where keep the emails coming at twitterkers which is twitter k-e-r-s at icloud.com and um, got a few to work through um so keep them coming and we'll get around to them all at some point um jamar rice has been in touch hello jamar um the rambling at the end is a nice inclusive send-off to the show <laughs> i think that's a <laughs> i think that's a yeah, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Here's some things for this section or potential features. Uh, Norwich's third kits, potentially tied to this year's release. Best or worst, stroke, why bother? I mean, it has why to be said. A, I mean, Why bother is a good question. But if you're going to bother, you might as well do something just completely out there and weird, which we do tend to do on a regular basis. So, um, do, you like yeah. this, do you like this one? Yeah, the, I do, actually. The black the... and pink and purple number? Yeah, I do. I like it. It's better than the sort of rugby yellow and green and mustard striped one. Do you remember that? They, yes. They the Stoke away in the Premier League. That right. was the Gary O'Neill game. It was the, game. it was the Gary O'Neill, uh, massive head wound Gary. <laughs> massive head wound Gary. <laughs> um, uh, I think that was I think that was the exact term. Might not be. Um, but yeah, I always remember the press release for that one because the hoops represented community. Oh, jeez. There we go. I, I was particularly proud of my line in my uh, Newport uh, under Norwich under 23s piece saying that uh, Norwich played in petrol and not uh, never had never had the shirt shone brighter or something than on I the I did like that one and they uh, didn't run out of gas either so oh thanks Steve you can write my next one um halftime social distancing options what will halftime look like when eight or when 8000 or more fans are allowed back in the ground I don't think they're going to be allowed to sit and leave their seats, to be honest. But he does suggest maybe, you know, like halftime drinks options used in theatres. So, you know, creating job opportunities there for people to wander around with. Yeah. And uh, the zorbing that they do at halftime, that's still socially distant, isn't it? So that, that can stay. It'd be particularly greasy on the surface if it's all been sort of disinfectant. <laughs> you could just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, sadly, I, I fear, I dread to think when we'll next have 8,000 fans in the stadium, but there we go. Uh, and, um, and just, he's wondering about what will happen with the club's digital offering because they've obviously, I think, renewed a few partnerships. As you ask there, Jamar, which I don't know where you are, but I'm guessing if you're not in the UK, it's probably quite a pertinent issue. But um, I would imagine Norwich will make sure they look after their own digital offerings because um, I, I can imagine all clubs doing that at some point, which is probably what some of this project big picture is on about as yeah, well, I'm isn't sure it? it so, yeah, and uh, you should read Matt Slater's piece on uh, pay-per-view, uh, which was actually released before the pay-per-view stuff came out in the Premier League. It'd be really interesting how Norwich would have dealt with that because a lot of Premier League clubs were saying, oh, we're obviously completely against uh, pay-per-view, but we obviously then obviously had to vote for it in favour because that's how it works, obviously, apart from Leicester, who obviously had a bigger degree of principle. Um, so there we go. Uh, thank you so much for your email, Jamar. Much appreciated. Uh, if you've got any emails, keep them coming in. We've got loads of subjects we've been discussing over recent weeks. We haven't even mentioned Joss Hoyfeld yet. But I think, um, I think if you can get in your agony aunt questions, be it on Norwich City or not, I also want to know the things, the Norwich City things that you've forgotten would be good. And of course, we had uh, Norwich City players that could feature in a Norwich version of The Great Escape. Cameron Jerome got mentioned in that. And he's now at MK Dons. So step closer to that maybe becoming reality yeah i mean he him and russell martin could be um sliced alone and who was the other one <laughs> it? 
John Probably Walk. Probably more turned up at some point. Yeah. Are we allowed John no. Walk in in there? Do we have to get we have to get someone else in? Don't we? Can't Russell Martin playing John Walk? That's, that's, that's sacrilegious, isn't it? Who had the best Norwich City moustache? I mean, I guess we'd have to say Oof. Grant Holt, but. Yeah, I mean, but that was a Movember effort, so I don't think that counts. We're, we're probably looking to some of our older listeners, more experienced listeners, to um, come up with the answer to that, I reckon. Any, well, I'm thinking EPs. We will, uh, we, will, we will see what comes back uh, next week, but I think we'll wrap up uh, Wits End for this week. What an absolute pleasure. Get in touch. Hashtag Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, and email Twitterkers at iCloud.com. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, cheers, Michael. We shall do it again very soon. Thanks all, all of you out there for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week after Rotherham when the window's closed. I can't wait. I'm going to raise a beautiful cup of peppermint tea in celebration. What are you going to have, Steve? Um, I'll I'll join you. I'll join you for a peppermint tea. See you. Can then. I come round? Absolutely. <laughs> it's socially distanced, though. Don't come too close. Mm-hmm.